Jesus stood among them and said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. I'm Kara Cardell. And I'm Fred Schellebarger. And you're listening to My Lord and My God, Encountering Christ in the Eucharist. Well, it is the long-awaited episode, John 6. I like how there was like this tired sigh and like the long-awaited episode. Except I'm not tired. I'm actually very very much looking forward to this. You're just trying to find a way to not say, I'm really excited about this episode. Let's all get excited about this episode. Or multiple episodes. Like we have absolutely right. no idea where the, where the, yeah. where this is going. So. We sometimes we start a thing, and just, we do, we hope just we, we hope we find it along the way. <laughs> yeah. And this is one of those episodes. Not that we don't know where we're doing. That's an office reference for it anyone is, who yeah, might not have is, gotten that. Yes, um, but just because Kara, as I've said in the past, uh, really, my Lord, my God is really the fruit of her spirituality and devotion to the Eucharist. I didn't know that until Fred told me that. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it started with her wanting to do one episode of Draw Near mm-hmm. about the Eucharist, and then it kept growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we had a full year planned. Well, she had a full year planned. <laughs> and then we were approached to do a show on the Eucharist. On the Eucharist mm-hmm. And it was it was divine appointment. Yep. And so John 6 has been the one she's been looking for the most. Yeah. And we've been... Leading up to it, and so I'm pretty excited. I just took over the intro for you. I'm sorry. I love it. Kim. No, I love it. Uh, I feel like though, once John six is over, then I'm looking forward to the Last Supper. Any of those episodes, anything nice. that anything that's just like rooted in scripture. Uh, yeah, all about. It's so, awesome. So we're talking about John six, but the last few episodes have been really the context leading up to John six. Um, so we did one on the manna in the desert in Exodus which feeds into John 6 because there's references mm-hmm. to the manas, which we're obviously going to talk about. And then we did the feeding of the 5,000, which when you listen to it with a Eucharistic ear, absolutely is Eucharistic mm-hmm. in nature. Um, but we've mentioned this in, in the past episodes. Something that I want to start with because I feel like we're kind of going to get more into the passage itself. So maybe this is better to start with before getting into the passage. But one thing that I think um, is very important here and it's important because Jesus is the one who points it out is the different levels of faith there's sign faith and we've talked about this so I'm mm-hmm. going to reintroduce it sign faith there's like the virtue of faith and then there's just like convenience right and all of them are are referenced in John 6 so in verse 2 you get sign faith it literally says that they were following him because of the miracles and the works that they saw him do mm-hmm. and so i was in a i was in a class once and sign faith the professor basically pointed out was like really superficial faith it's they just oh they just saw him do all of these really cool things like we're going to follow him mm-hmm. they don't understand who he is or what his purpose is there um, and what i think is kind of cool is like if if you look at john 5 and then look at john 6 like the length between one chapter and the next is almost a year mm-hmm. and so we don't under like we don't understand we don't get to hear the things that happened within that year from chapter five to chapter six. However, imagine all of the miracles that Jesus is performing. Mm -hmm. So when it says they were following him because of all of the works that he did, it's like, that's a year of works. Right. But then in verse, uh, in verse 26, Jesus is the one who points out to the people who are, are following him. 
And he's the one who points out, like, you're not even following me because of the works. You are following me because of full bellies. And right before this this verse, it says they went to where they 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 were fed. It said it literally says mm-hmm. they went to where Jesus fed the multitudes. So they go back to where Jesus fed the five thousand. And then he calls them out. Like, you're not even here because you have superficial sign faith. You're here because you are like, I conveniently fed you and you just want food. Like you had full bellies. Mm -hmm. And then contrast that with the very end of the bread of life discourse, which we're going to get into a little bit more, but it's when Jesus goes to the apostles after everyone has abandoned him. He said, will you go too?" and Mm -hmm. their response is really the kind of faith that we are called to, mm. not just in our belief in the Eucharist, but in our belief in Jesus Christ. And I, I guess I think that's an important place to start because Jesus even points out in John 6, so many do not, so many of you do not believe. Right. And he's obviously talking about the people who are present at this discourse, but is that not true today? Like so many of, of us in the Catholic Church and so many people who do not understand the teachings of the Catholic Church and are not within the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. do not believe and understand this teaching. Yeah, yeah. So we're really going to dive into John 6. But I'm curious for you, Fred, actually. Um, coming from a Protestant background, what was the belief or understanding of the bread of life discourse by people who did not believe in the yeah. Eucharist? Well, this is one of those passages that I had a lot of questions about. Yeah that didn't make sense to me. Right. And it was one of the passages that I had a lot of questions about for, you know, my leaders, pastors, if you will, at the time, um, because it, I didn't understand it. Right. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. What does this mean? First of all, it sounds kind of weird. Right. Uh, without explaining that. <laughs> like, what does Jesus mean here? And typically the response I would get would be that's, Catholics used to justify their belief in the Eucharist, but Jesus here is speaking symbolically. That was the explanation? Yeah, symbolically. It's a spiritual meaning. And of course, they're going to point to John 6.63, which is toward the end Mm -hmm. of the Bread of Life discourse. And you had a "Mm mm-hmm look on your face, so I know you're probably (laughs) going to go here too. So I'm excited to hear your response to this. But uh, Jesus says it is the spirit, you know, this is in the context of everyone misunderstanding yeah. him. And he says, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So they would point to that scripture passage and say, see, that proves that Jesus is speaking metaphorically, sp- metaphorically, mm-hmm. spiritually, because the spiritual is the greater meaning is more important. The flesh is of no avail. So it was less of like physically actually eat and drink and more accept the spirit. spiritual meaning. Okay, okay. Now, there's a lot of problems with that right. understanding. Um, yeah, like it discounts the rest of the passage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, it does. But it, does, it overlooks the fact that Jesus, and I know you're going to get into this more, so I don't want to jump you're around. Fine. Uh He's pretty explicit and plain, yeah. and at no point does Jesus say to those who misunderstand, hey, wait a minute. right. I was speaking metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Don't you know a metaphor when you hear one? He, he actually doubles down, yeah, gets yeah. more graphic, gets more intense at every yeah. attempt to explain. He gets deeper mm-hmm. and he doubles down even more and he even lets people walk away. Now tell me at what point in scripture does Jesus ever let people walk away right. just for a simple misunderstanding? doesn't happen. I think that there's a lot of flaws in this. If if it's true that he's speaking metaphorically, then I would say Jesus is probably 
a poor teacher. I'm going to borrow a little bit from Tim Staples from Catholic Answers uh, for this kind of walking through the problems with this. I just want to give credit where credit is due, but it, it also fits my experience. Again, if he just lets them walk away for misunderstanding, he's, he's not a very good teacher because many of his disciples still believed that the words, what the words meant, he made it clear. And yet he lets them walk away. Right. You know, if he was misunderstood, why does he let them continue Mm -hmm. in that false belief? Well, and so many times in scripture, he says, do you not understand? Or like, even when he's teaching in parables, like to the scribes and Pharisees, he'll teach a parable, immediately go into another parable, immediately another parable to like drive Mm -hmm. home what he's actually talking about. So yeah, yeah, he wouldn't let them continue to misunderstand him. This is more my own point, but at building on that, I I think I see in this too, then he's probably not a very good shepherd Yeah, because he, they walk away. Does he go after them? Mm -hmm. No. Right. So is that true? Is he a poor teacher? Is he a poor shepherd? Absolutely not. Also, there's a point here that Jesus did not say my flesh is of no avail. He said the The flesh, flesh. meaning Mm -hmm. our sinful fallen nature Mm -hmm. is of no avail. Not his own flesh. He just spent the entire chapter talking about, and you're going to get into this being, sorry, am I getting, is this like major spoiler stuff? No, no, no. Uh, I will get into it. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. He just spent the entire chapter talking about how his flesh is the bread of life, how his flesh gives life. Yeah. How could his flesh be of no avail? This actually goes to, I think, so right between, sandwiched between the feeding of the 5,000 and the bread of life discourse is Jesus walking on water. And we, we're we not going to do an episode specifically about that, but I actually think there's something within that passage coming right before the bread of life discourse. It, it's weird. Like, why is that like, there? Why is that there? Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. John is smart. So mm-hmm. there's a reason. And there's something within that, like that gets to your point who is he to say he's the bread of life? Okay. So the feeding of the 5,000, it already has Exodus manna imagery right. where there's the bread in the, in the desert. There's the flesh from the quail. So it already has Eucharistic imagery. It's already jumping back. But in the passage where Jesus walks on water, which comes right immediately before the, the bread from heaven, starting in verse 22. But in verse 16, it's very short. In verse 16, to verse 21. It's Jesus walking on water. And it says, they saw Jesus on the sea drawing near to the boat and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And the word here for it is I Mm. is ego ami, which is the exact same thing in Exodus chapter three, again, going back to Exodus, just Mm. like the feeding of 5,000 that God says in the burning of the bush. Ego me. It's the exact same words. It means I am. It Mm -hmm. is I. So like John puts this passage here to be like, hey, there's some context in how Jesus, this man who they say, like, isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? Don't we know him? Like they say this in this passage. It's giving context to saying like, no, this is the great I am. And it's John showing like he is something more. He is God. Mm -hmm. And so that's how he can say he is the bread, bread from heaven. Wow. Isn't that so cool? That is. That's awesome, Kara. Yeah. I think it's important when we read scripture, like just to understand the context of everything going on. Like when you said, you know, in your in your 
Protestant past, like pointing to verse 63. Or there's even a part in this John 6 where it's like, you know, no one should come to me except through the Father, like that that line that is often referenced mm-hmm. and it's referenced to other places in, in scripture as right. well. But you can't just pick a line out of the Bible without pulling the entirety of the context that it's right. that the author intended it to be. Right. Not saying that that's actually like the the sequence of events that happened in real life but this is the the author inspired by the holy spirit and he put these events in order for a purpose and to give you context of what's what's coming in the passage right yeah that's yeah. beautiful that's a great example of that too yeah yeah so i think it's actually worthwhile to read the passage um it's very long um so i'm not going to read it in like it's full there are a few a few chunks that i've kind of cut out just for the purpose of like we're talking about Eucharistic language. Um, But it starts as John 6 and it begins in verse 22, if you would like to follow along. So we are going to read it and then I think let's just like go for it. Yeah. If that's cool. Let's do it. Okay. I'm excited. You are. I wish they could see. Like, let's go. Like, you're like literally glowing with excitement right now. And I'll probably not even share like anything cool. I'm just like, let's just read read the Bible. That'll be our podcast. We'll be like Bible in a year 2.0. Right. (laughs) Stop on and read the Bible. Today's episode, we're going to read John 6. Today's episode, Leviticus, chapter 5. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyways, verse 22. This is the Bread of Life discourse that we've been mentioning forever. On the next day, the people who remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. However, boats from Tiberias came near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Feeding of the 5,000. That's mm-hmm. what that means. So when the people saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, so the superficial sign faith, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him has God the Father set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. I want to pause for a second. Like what more do they need? Right. Yeah. You know, what sign do you do? Yeah. Yeah. That's immediately what I was thinking. Also the irony of appealing to their ancestors. Right. Right. um, Like the ancestors who mumbled and murmured and complained and and nothing was ever good enough. Refused to believe. Yes. Like, I'm sorry. What more do you need? Like, right. (laughs) Okay. So it continues in verse 35 and then I'm, I'm going to jump to verse 41. So they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him. 
because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Ego ami, that's how. Mm-hmm. Jesus answered them, Do not murmur among yourselves. Verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that man may eat and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So, really quick, I want you to count how many times Jesus is going to say, Eat my flesh. Mm-hmm. Okay, he already said, and we're going to kind of get into the verbiage here, but in verse 51, he already said, If anyone who eats of this bread, he will live forever. So, he already is saying, like, Eat my flesh. You need to eat of this bread because the bread is my flesh. So that's one. But in this next uh, this next section, it starts verse 53. Count how many times he reiterates, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Okay. Verse 53. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. This he said in the synagogue. How many times did you count, Fred? Were you counting? I lost count, actually, Kara. I'm a terrible person. (laughs) Awful. (laughs) I got five just in that beginning there. So that's not including the verse in verse 51 before that. So Mm -hmm. if we count that, that's six. I'll come back to why why I think that's important. Whether it was intentional or not, I think that's important. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like nothing in Scripture is not intentional. That's true. Whether or not John intended it, the Holy Spirit intended it. Yes, absolutely. And you see that, like, for example... Why is that walking on water in there? Yeah. Well, I am. Yeah, there's a reason. That's why. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Verse 60, many of his disciples, when they heard it, said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Verse 63, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you that do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who those were that did not believe. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples drew back and no longer went about with him. Jesus said to the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
I know that was a lot. Hopefully, like breaking it apart a little bit made it a little bit more digestible. Um, mm-hmm. And I still didn't read everything in there. But it's such a beautiful passage. And I don't mm-hmm. know how you can read that and like not see the mass, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You see it in there. Yeah. Even just the literal imagery, again, Yeah. not symbolic, not metaphor. Mm-hmm. Going back to kind of where the conversation began as a as a protestant seeing symbolic meaning we might point to scriptures like John 10:9 where he says he's the door yeah and John 15:5 where he says he's the vine right does that mean he's literally made of wood right. i'm thinking of monty python when i say that or we are literally uh, grapes <laughs> oh yeah or like okay where do we plant jesus so he can grow and yeah. sprout like that's ridiculous yeah. his language is clear and i got that even I don't, you haven't even really dived much into the words, yet. the original words I yet, know. but it seems to me there's, there's an ascending level of clarity in this. Yes. Like, no, I mean what I say. Well, yeah. so even, even just going back to like how many times he emphasized it. So you said, you know, it was often referred to verse 63, like, no, it's symbolic. Take it as the spirit within you mm-hmm. and things, but, but to take one verse and discount all of the other verses, like how six times Jesus reiterates, eat my flesh, drink my blood. If you do not, you do not have life within you. If you do, you abide in me, I in mm-hmm. you. Like he reiterates six times. So if you're unfamiliar, like in, in the original, you know, text of, of the words, like there was nothing for, I don't, I'm not a literature person. Like what's the more, most, whatever. Very, yeah. Yes. Like yeah. there's nothing to say like, I am, I'm the most holy. I'm more holy. So to do things and to emphasize them, they say it multiple times. Right. And so that's why like in Isaiah, you get holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. It's because the Lord is the most holy. Truly, truly. Yes. Truly, yeah. truly. I say yeah. to you. So, Hey, listen up. I'm really saying it. And right? the, if there's any old King James folks listening, verily, <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> verily, that's the word, but there was no Hebrew verily. Right. Like it's saying it almost like saying it twice Multiple to times. emphasize that. Exactly. Yeah. So to say like, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Like that's, that's three times is the most, right? right? It's elevating it the most. You're reemphasizing it. So the way I took this, whether or not I was intentional or not, the fact that eat my flesh and drink my blood is emphasized six times is almost like three times twice. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's double the most. It's double the most. <laughs> Ex- yeah. I mean, yeah, right. like that's how I took it. It's like, it's not three times. Oh, there's four times. It's like, no, I'm going to do the highest level, but I'm going to say it twice. Right. So it's, he says it six times in mm-hmm. this, in this gospel. It is important. That is not something you right. just be like, oh, clearly that's just, let's, let's brush over that. Mm. And everything's symbolic now. It's right. not symbolic. Yeah. And you, you alluded to this in the words. It is not symbolic because of some of the words that Jesus uses for eat. Like they are very, they, they, they already start out very clear, not symbolic. Mm-hmm. And then it almost ascends in its like veracity of like how you are supposed to eat. Right. So it starts, and I, I mentioned in verse 51. So he says, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats, eats of this bread, he will live forever. And then he obviously says, this bread is my flesh. So this word here for eat, the original Greek root is uh, phago. So it's P-H-A-G-O. And it's it's to like eat like you're enjoying a meal, to sit down and enjoy a meal. 
Now, I think actually that has some meaning there because mm-hmm. we do exactly that at right. the banquet of heaven at mm-hmm. mass. We sit down and enjoy a meal and mm-hmm. they do that in the Old Testament. They break bread together. Right. That's alluding to the mass. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's verbiage even in that. But he takes it a step further in, in the following five times he says this and he changes the verb he uses for eat to something even like harder. It comes from the the original root word is trogo, uh, T-R-O-G-O. That's the, the root of the word that's being used. And it means to like gnaw or chew. Mm. So it's, you're not only supposed to sit down and enjoy a meal and eat, but like, here's the degree to which you are to eat. And I just think of that too. Right. Like when we talk about like the spiritual necessity and how we should just like run to the mass and run to the Eucharist, it's like almost gnawing in a spiritual way does that make sense right. like you're just like with such veracity like running to the mass there's some intentionality behind the and intensity mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. that's what we need to have life within us mm-hmm. so if what you said you were taught at the beginning of your conversion were true that it was just symbolic then at what point would he be like oh just like pretend to eat it he doesn't right. do that. Sorry, that sounded really sassy. Just like, no, I, ignore what I I'm like saying. the sassy version the best. <laughs> I didn't mean for that to sound sassy. Uh, but he doesn't do that. He intensifies what his right. his words he's using, which yeah. I think show that it's, no, it's not symbolic. Mm. No, it's something more. And I think there too, like he's trying to emphasize when he links spirit and flesh there at the end, kind of where we begin, I think there is an emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. That it's in the eating and drinking. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit that accomplishes that miracle of changing that ordinary bread, that ordinary wine into the body and blood of Christ. No, you're right. Like you're talking about verse uh, 63 where it's talking about the spirit. Yes, mm. the spirit is the one at mass who's changing the bread into the body right. and the wine into the blood. That's epiclesis. Absolutely. But he's also like, because the, the passage says it's the spirit that gives life. So he's also doing that within us. Like right. when we go and receive now the body of Christ in mm-hmm. communion, it's the Holy Spirit that dwells within us to give us life and not just give us eternal life, which Jesus also says in this discourse, but to transform us into the body of Christ, to be one right. with Christ. Right. So yeah. it, it does have a spiritual element. So in, in some degree they were right, but like, where does the spiritual element come from? It comes from physically eating and gnawing right. on the bread of life, which yeah. is Jesus Christ's body. Right. And then the spirit takes that, dwells within you and there's fruits right. in your life. Yeah, because it's our flesh that is of no avail. We need the Holy Spirit right. to transform us right. into Christ. Yeah, yes. I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's good. The point there is we're not Gnostics. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with that word, that Gnostics were people that believe that all flesh is evil, only the spirit is good. Mm-hmm. And however they interpret that is true for them. But that's not us. Like to be Catholic is to recognize flesh and spirit. Like both are originally created good. Nothing God created is not good. So we have to, you know, even in saying like the flesh is of no avail, it's not Mm -hmm. saying you are evil. Right. You are, you know, we were, no, we were made in the image and likeness of God. We are good. Yeah. The flesh is good. Yeah. But apart from the spirit, not even just the Holy Spirit, but like our, our soul, the Mm -hmm. spiritual side of our bodies. Right. The flesh is dead. And I think that's what he's trying to point out here is like, it's. A reality that's both spirit and flesh yes. 
just like with the resurrection. Yeah. Like we see Paul use similar language in the resurrection. He talks about spiritual bodies, spiritual flesh. Right. It's, it's the same kind of idea. It's not one versus the other. Therefore, it's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. No, it yeah. isn't. Not only are we not Gnostics, but we're also not cannibals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's I have a like, lot to say about this. One, I know, Karen. I know. Yeah. Um, that was one thing. I honestly didn't even know people like thought that. I was learning about it yeah. in uh, in one of my classes years ago. And the professor was explaining like, you know, some people, because we say we that it's Jesus Christ's flesh, they're like, well, you're cannibals. I never thought that was a thing or an argument. But his his argument on it was to be a cannibal you're eating dead flesh <laughs> right and it's like no this is living living flesh. jesus christ right. alive in his spiritual body yeah. which also points to that same reality of what jesus really meant when he said that yeah the cannibalism point is actually helpful though because okay. that was like one of the most common false rumors that the early church had to deal with mm. was the accusation that they were cannibals yeah. but i think that also speaks to how intensely they believed the truth of that really is Jesus Christ and what that means. Yeah. It shows that that belief was a persistent reality mm-hmm. in the life of the early church. But like you said, we don't receive Christ in the Eucharist in a cannibalism form. You know, we we receive him in the form of bread and wine, not as dead flesh, like you said. Right. But it has been miraculously transformed to be the flesh and the blood, which exactly. is what we call transubstantiation. Exactly. Uh, a good distinction in that, and I know we've talked about this before, is that as beings, we are sensory, but he gives in the mode of the receiver. And if mm-hmm. the priest were to hand you a chunk of flesh, are you going to eat it? Right. No. Probably so not. miraculously, by the Holy Spirit, God transforms something, and it's that's what a sacrament is. It's It's a visible sign of an invisible reality. So the visible sign is the form of bread and wine, but the invisible reality is that the Holy Spirit has transformed that to be the body and the blood of Christ. And we receive that in the form that we are able to receive it, which is bread and wine. Yeah, and thanks be to God for that. Yes. (laughs) You know, unlike the cannibal, we're not killing the victim for our meal. Right. Him being our our meal is not literally the cause of his death. The cannibal... Man, we're talking about cannibalism. (laughs) (laughs) Today's topic is cannibalism. Cannibalism. (laughs) The cannibal, of course, sheds the blood of his victim... But in communion, our Lord gives himself in a non-bloody way. The Lord says he lays down his life for a friend. Mm. Very different from from the cannibal. There is no greater love than this as a man lay down his life for his friend, right? right. So who's doing the spilling of the blood, basically? It's, it's Jesus right. as a willing sacrifice. As a willing sacrifice. He is not changed by our receiving him in this way. We are changed. How? The Holy Spirit. Right. Kara, last time I checked, cannibalism is more immoral. Is that correct? I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to confirm that. I read the back of the catechism. Had to double check. Cannibal- cannibalism <laughs> immoral. <laughs> um, if it were truly immoral in any sense for Christ to give his flesh and blood to eat, it would be contrary to his holiness, correct? Right. So it's not that sort of cannibalism sort of way. And yet the church really did have, very early on, a literal true sense of Christ really being present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Mm -hmm. Eucharist. You see this. These are words that made me a Catholic. St. Ignatius of Antioch, uh, writing about the year 107 AD. For those of you that aren't familiar, St. Ignatius of of Antioch 
was a disciple of John. the guy that wrote this book. <laughs> Whoa! A disciple <laughs> of the Apostle John himself. Mm -hmm. And he says this, Take note of those who hold heterodox opinions on the grace of Jesus Christ, which has come to us, and see how contrary their opinions are to the mind of God. They abstain from the Eucharist and from prayer because they do not confess that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm. Flesh which suffered for our sins and which the Father in his goodness raised up again. Again, pointing to the spirit and flesh. Yeah. Uh, back to St. Ignatius here. They who deny the gift of God are perishing in their disputes. Mm. Notice the way that's worded. Yeah. They're perishing. They deny that the Eucharist is really the body and blood of Jesus Christ. To their parish. And then, to their parish. Yeah, yeah. They perish in their disputes. Yeah. And is that not what you see right from the beginning in John chapter 6? This is a hard saying. They walk away. It's what we still see today. We see that today. Yeah. And yet the disciple of the guy that wrote the book. Yeah reminds us, challenges us. When I read those words, it was like a lightning rod for me. Mm. How can I be one of these people yeah. that deny? Wouldn't he know better than I know? That points to the truth of the Catholic Church and the belief. Right. The Eucharist is the flesh. Yeah. Not only is it like, okay, you, you're reading it from the fathers of the church, the early church, but also I think one thing is, is as I was talking about the different kinds of faith, the people who show the virtue of faith, it's the people at the end of, of this passage. Will you leave me too? Right. You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And it's those 12, you know, barring the one who betrays him, of course, it's those 12 who then carry that on in tradition, which we actually just talked about in our final season episode of Draw Near. It's on authority if you want to go listen to it. We just talked about how those 12 go out and carry on this mission and teach the mm -hmm. truth to the world. So if this is like a, a thing that you struggle with as a Catholic, because we know from that, that study that... Two-thirds do. Yeah. Exactly. Over the majority do not believe in the real presence if this, this is something that you struggle with because... 2,000 years after Jesus, your priest is telling you that that's Jesus up there on the altar. Go back to scripture, go to the 12, go to them breaking the bread, and go to the early church. I think one way that, that we see this, that it's through the bread, that it's truly the flesh, and that Jesus has revealed, is in the road to Emmaus, which I actually want to do a full episode on this as well, yes. and we will, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's in... It's finally like they don't they don't recognize Jesus. He's on the road to Emmaus with two disciples. He has already been killed. And this is after his resurrection. He's walking with them, but they don't recognize it's him. That kind mm -hmm. of speaks to what our resurrected bodies will be capable of. Right. But his body is basically disguising itself and they don't know it's him. And they're telling him what has happened to himself. And they still don't recognize him when they invite him back to his home. And he has a meal with them. He breaks bread with them. And immediately after breaking bread with them, scripture says, and they see Jesus. Like he is revealed to them. They mm -hmm. finally recognize that that the person mm -hmm. who's been with them is now Jesus. So you see this the true realities in a spiritual way there as well. Like it's in the breaking of the bread. It's at mass. It's through the Eucharist in our adoration of the Eucharist. Like that's where we truly get to see Jesus right. and we come to know him so that we can also be transformed. Amen. And that's what happens when we see Jesus. Yeah. That's what happens when we receive him. 
it's what's supposed to happen, but our disposition has a lot to do with it. I'm reminded of, uh, I've told the story before on a draw near, but of going to mass one Sunday and just, it was one of those mornings, Yeah, you know, everything's going wrong with the kids and you get to mass and you're just really grumpy. You don't like the pretending music. Pretending to be you're, holy. <laughs> yeah. You're pretending to be holy. And I, I found myself just looking around like, how come no one's happy to be here but me, you know? <laughs> and it's like, look at my smile. <laughs> really? You know, um, and it was during the consecration or during, you know, the, the liturgy of the Eucharist where we're all standing and my four-year-old, four-year-old daughter just kept saying, I can't see Jesus. I can't see Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I lifted her up because she wanted to see Jesus. And it was, um, she just wanted that. Right. And when I picked her up, I heard the Lord say, and neither could you. And yeah. it really is that simple. Like, we need to see Jesus in the Eucharist. We need to see Jesus when we receive him. The Eucharist literally is who he says it is. Mm 